strangers welcome to the spring edition of the strange sessions kurt how are you feeling you feeling a little springy today no you don't look very springy <laughs> I don't to me. i feel absolutely lousy you, I, you uh, seem very um under the weather it was it was the first week that students were back at at school mm-hmm. all all of them except for a couple that are staying virtual and it was just i don't know it was just rough yeah it was seriously rough and uh exhausting and students that I used to be cool with, they aren't really cool anymore. Oh, really? And stuff. And it's just been It was bad. a trying week. It was a trying week. Like I told you before we started recording, there was one night I was literally laying in bed, reading a book, getting ready to go to bed at 10 to 6. <laughs> wow. Because I'm exhausted. <laughs> yeah. And after I got home from work yesterday, which was the most trying day, yesterday was bad. Um, my chest started to hurt and my mm. chest still hurts. But I looked it up and it's not like COVID. Like if I was congested. You didn't think, bring me the Rona. I hope I didn't bring you the Rona because <laughs> I don't have any other symptoms. It's just my chest hurts, but I've noticed that's been happening a lot lately when I eat. So hopefully something major isn't wrong. Mm. It's not like a heartburn thing, is it? I have bad heartburn oh, at so night. Oh, so you know what heartburn is. Yeah, okay. but it's just like a, a weird pain. So I don't mm. I don't really have any money. Stress? Maybe it's just it, stress. It's, I think it's a lot of stress. I think I think this, the, the chest pain right now is a stress, but mm. I'm just exhausted and and my chest hurts. Mm. <laughs> so This is like complaining corner. I this had is a, Kurt's complaining corner? Well, and Krista's complaining because I, I started school this week. It was just like, <laughs> you, you know, working like nine plus hours a day and then coming home and doing you like didn't two have hours jury of duty. homework. You I didn't, didn't have, have jury, jury duty. duty. So that's a good thing. I have not had to report for jury duty once yet. And I already know that my Tuesday trial for this coming week was settled. So I only have to worry about Thursday. And then the following week, I only have, there's three days on my calendar and then I'm done for the month. Wow. So... Hopefully I don't ever knock on wood. Um, but yeah. I want to do jury duty just not when COVID is going on. Yeah. You know. I don't, I, I don't mind doing it. I've done it. But it's not just not right now. We're yeah. in the middle of annual comp and it's just a really busy time for me. So yeah. And school. I just got too much going on. <laughs> I feel like I do, but I, it's just work is just... And then Rhonda gave me stuff to do for a taste test that I forgot at home. I forgot my good glasses at home I can read with. And then when I tried printing this out last night, my printer ran out of ink. Dang. And I'm broke, so I don't have money to cook it. So You could have emailed it to me and I could have printed no. it out. Yeah, I would have I'd honestly skipped. I would have said, let's just wait another two weeks. Mm. But people would people want, yeah. want the episodes. So I don't want to leave people hanging. So it's just... Uh, well, on a positive note, speaking of... And I don't think this is a good episode because I didn't, I didn't, I didn't... So you're in for a, a yeah, little crappy yeah. ride today. Yeah, if you guys skip this one, I won't be offended, I promise. No, everybody loves these topics, so I think it'll be good. Yeah, but, but. it's just like a rehash of an episode we did yeah. way back at the beginning. That's cool. Well, on a positive note, speaking of spring, you got to take a look at my lovely little seedlings today that I'm I did. very excited I about. I did. They're super cute. Aren't they cute? They are. They're so cute. And I see you're going to put the big thing outside to grow yep. stuff in? Eventually, that's yeah. our raised bed, one of our raised beds. Yep. So, um, yeah, we're excited. And awesome. we just had the, we had designers come to the house yesterday because we're planning a huge kitchen renovation. We're moving our kitchen to our dining room. 
Really? Yeah. So we're going to have a huge kitchen in our dining room. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And then our current kitchen is going to become a full bathroom and a laundry room. So yeah, huh. we have some major stuff planned, but we need blueprints so that we can move I forward. Done it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, I don't know. We'll try putting this here. <laughs> yeah. You don't need like permits or anything, right? <laughs> So yeah, you'll you'll be walking through a construction zone at some point for recording, but we'll have. We'll I'll make sure Jim's not doing any actual construction while oh, we're recording. I thought you'd have construction workers here and stuff. We can no, have Jim come will down be and doing... ask him questions about the episode. <laughs> yeah, hey, do you want to taste? What this? do you think? Of, what do you think about simulation theory? <laughs> It'd be hilarious. Well, they're <laughs> yeah, probably gonna have to come down. Like the plumber, we're gonna have a plumber and electrician do like the. The electrician will do everything, yep. but the plumber will do the rough plumbing and Jim can finish everything else. Okay. But so there will be people down here, just not while we're recording, but that would be really funny. It would be. I'm sorry. Can you come over here for a second? Yeah. Here, have this fish cracker and do you think we're living in a computer simulation? Yeah. What do you think about that? <laughs> Give a shout outs to our newest strangers. And those are easy list this week. Brooke Perez, I think we gave her one last time, so she might have got a twofer. Ooh. She might have got a double shout out because I think she signed up late in the last time oh, and maybe. we added her. Okay. Brooke Perez, Sheila McHale, Susanna Briggs, Rob Harper, Gianna Dudley, and Tyler Davis. Oh, and you totally, did you ask me to ask our Instagram yeah, people? Yeah, but we can do that for next time. Well, why don't I just ask them right now? If you've joined okay. Instagram and you're not a stranger, give me a an, an, a message on Instagram for a shout out because we want to give shout outs to our Instagram people too. Yeah. We don't want to just favor our strangers on the Facebook, Facebook. page. So on the Facebook. If you would like a shout out and you haven't gotten one yet and you're on Instagram, send yep. me an IM and we'll, we'll make that happen for you. And I also, as usual, want to give a shout out to some of my students that listen. So it's definitely the one I mentioned last time, Cadence is awesome and... If we're still around, and if I'm still around five years from now, and oh, we're doing this, I'd like to have her come on the podcast because oh, be she's fun. really into this stuff. Cool. But as an eighth grader, I don't think I can be like, "Hey, how about I pick you up and we take you out we'll to this out person's this house that you don't know <laughs> out in the out in Sheboygan?" Yeah. So I don't think that would fly. So, Probably not. So I'm... like five years, if we're still around, gotcha. If we're still talking to each other, I'm turning. <laughs> Oh my God, know. I'm turning my notifications off because Facebook keeps dinging. dinging. People are hopefully guessing uh, about the photo that I posted, the two photos oh, probably, I posted. Where I so. look like I feel like garbage. Which po- which photo accurately it depicts how Kurt yeah. feels today? So Cadence, thank you for listening. Samantha listens sometimes. So if any of my students, if you guys do listen and want a shout out, just come up to me and be like, hey, Mr. K, could you give me a shout out on the podcast? Because I totally will. We will totally do that. And Cadence says hi. What's up, Cadence? Because you said hi in the last episode. She Aww. said, make sure you tell Krista hi. Very nice. Um, yeah, my students are so cool. Most of them. <laughs> but they're, it's, You're it's feeling to a the little point, jaded this week. The, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I said something. I called them, talking to another teacher, I called them little somethings. That Ooh. starts with an S. And sure, they said, sure, sure. And they said, yep, your honeymoon period is over and you sound like an educator now. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> You'll have good days and bad days. Yeah. The kids probably have good days and bad days too. And yeah. that's what. And I need to know. remember that they're kids and that right. they were cooped up. Mm-hmm. and all that good stuff they're under a lot of stress too yeah um being a teenager isn't the same as it was when no, we were teenagers it's not at all housekeeping? it is not at all mm-hmm. i don't really have any housekeeping. i want to give a huge thank you to beth for for painting the toy and be tile yeah, for us that's so cool which is awesome it got cool reactions on yeah, our facebook yeah page. and it's so awesome and we're gonna do something with it i'm just not exactly sure what did we yet. post that on instagram i don't think we did I no need post, to. yeah post, post that on, on instagram. instagram we had a busy week yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We drop the ball sometimes, but that's sometimes. okay. That's okay. Uh, 
Any other housekeeping you can do? I don't think so. Do you want to do a taste test? Yeah, we didn't complain about the weather because it's actually nice. It's beautiful. It's going to be like 50 and sunny today. So, yep. Like I said, the spring edition of the Strange Session. I'm sure we'll get a snowstorm yet, though. We will, 100%. We are going to taste test our Japanese coffee that Beth sent to us. That yeah, we're I feel looking, like I need a degree yeah, in physics just to prove this. looking at the instructions but... on the back. <laughs> Thank goodness they're in English. Yeah. And it's like you're hanging it in a cup by some hooks and <laughs> pouring it in, and it's just weird. I at least have hot water and mugs prepared, so I brought, we're supposed I got, to shake it. I got Dunkin' Donuts, but I forgot it in the car. Well, it'll be waiting for you on your ride home. That's it's going to be kind of lukewarm. I don't care. I like cold coffee. Okay, we're shaking it to settle the coffee to the bottom, right? <laughs> Krista's, I'm just like... I should take pictures of this. Trying to be better at taking pictures because people always comment that they really like um, the candids. Yeah. Why is everything? I'm getting a new phone today. Let's just say if you really enjoy my blurry Instagram photos, <laughs> you're going to be disappointed because I'm, oh, that's so much better. <laughs> you maybe just needed to clean it. Maybe. Okay. Did I get it? Yeah. Okay. So we're going to try that. Yeah. And some chocolate. A chocolate bar that was sent to us a while ago by listener like Melissa. Last year, yes, I think. by Melissa. Was that your stomach? That was my stomach. I feel like I can just stop asking that question. Because chances point. are it's gonna be my it's stomach. It's your stomach. Okay. I don't Ready? think I don't so think now... the strange cellar is haunted. No, I don't think so either. Oh, Krista I is... forgot we named the studio. Uh, the strange cellar. Okay. I have to Ooh, do it this. It smells sniff- good. Oh, it smells really it smells good. Really good. <gasps> I was really kind of skeptical about this, but the smell has me super excited. Like, look at this hook thingy. This is high tech. This is high tech. Like, leave it to the Japanese to come up with something like this. Like, oh, that smells amazing. Like this hook <sighs> is. I'm trying to figure out what to do. Okay, I think this is what I think. Do you see how I did that? Pull my note. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Quiet. I have students listening. I think. I think you got it right, but what? Is, oh, oh. Like that? Nice. <laughs> yes. That is funky. It is. And then do you open it? Do we have to open Look at the top? that. Okay, we have to pull. Look at that. Do you see this? That is awesome. I think we have to do that. I got to take a picture of mine. And then, and then you pull this apart. Oh, this is very exciting. This is actually really cool. Wow, that is really cool. Can you open mine? That is, oh, that's why you were holding it that's up? That's why I was holding it up. <laughs> I thought you were like, take a picture of this, which I did. Okay. I really kind of like this idea of making it like this. It's really smart. It is. Okay. It's like it's, like its own filter hanging it's above totally the coffee cool. cup. Okay. Steam, there's steam coming out oh, the top, and, so and that's a good sign. according to this... After moisten coffee with a little hot water and wait for about 20 seconds, pour hot water over coffee in two or three sessions. Okay. So pour a little, wait like 20 seconds, pour a little, wait like 20 seconds. Too much. Here. Oh. I hope there's enough water in there. It doesn't hold a ton of water. It should okay, be. wait 20 seconds. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. I guess I can just watch the screen. My stomach is just gurgling away. Dunkin' Donuts. I'm not. I'm just kind of not a fan of their breakfast stuff anymore. Oh, I don't know what you it loved is. It at I first. know, but I don't. I think it's been 20 seconds. So just a little more. Maybe a little more. Okay. Ooh, 
It's got a drip thing going on. <laughs> Mine this is does fun. too. This is fun. There's a bit of water left, so. There's not very much coffee in there. No, I wonder if it's supposed to be like espresso. Maybe. Where it's just a little cup of it. I think we should just keep pouring until the water's gone, though. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> I wish they could hear this. <laughs> this is actually kind of fun. <laughs> it is. It's kind of turning it into a, like a little ritual. It, yeah, I was just going to say that, actually. It kind of is. You could make this a very intentional thing in the morning and have like a moment of zen. I'm sure our listening to us pour water over coffee grounds <laughs> is riveting for you guys at home. Very riveting. Now, I'm a creamer person, so I'm going to have to drink this without creamer. I like my, um, you know, non-dairy, vanilla, unsweetened creamer stuff. You can cut out a lot of this silence. Or the sound of dripping. <laughs> I should put this up by the microphone. I think this is going to be strong, which is okay. Should I pour more in? Sure. We got, yeah, probably one more pour each. This is a fun little experiment. This is. This is actually really I hope cool. it's worth all the <laughs> effort that this takes. The chocolate's going to go really good with yes. this, though, I think. I'm It'll excited. pair well with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. It smells... It does smell really good. It seriously mm-hmm. does. I have never seen that kind of contraption before oh. for making coffee, either, which like is really cool. serious engineering. Okay, ready? Ready. Mm. It's good. It is good. It's really good. Mm-hmm. Tastes like coffee. It doesn't taste like. It doesn't. It's not ta- very it, bitter. It doesn't taste like when you get those instant crystals no. or whatever and make it like those aren't good. This is good. This is really good. It's really smooth. That is really good coffee. Mm. It's got a little different taste. There's something about it that's different. But it's super smooth. Mm-hmm. It's really smooth. But there's a there's a just a little differentness. It's a little nutty. Yeah. I like the aftertaste. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, that's really good. This is really good. Thank you, Beth. So good. I really Mm. do like this. Mm. Maybe that'll actually keep me warm. All right. Do you want to try the chocolate? Yeah. I'm really liking this coffee. just melt it by putting this on top of it. It probably has like 500 times the usual amount of caffeine or something like that. (laughs) So we're going to be talking about it really, really fast. Okay. It's raspberry chocolate. You can't go wrong with that. No kidding. You can't go wrong with chocolate in general. Okay. You can if it's unsweetened chocolate. chocolate. 70% 70% though that's like the, anytime you get above 70% then you're like borderline like <laughs> baking chocolate <laughs> wow oh it's got like nuts in it too you see it's like got crunchy stuff Ooh, it's it. like a crunchy stuff hopefully not it's organic and fair trade I'm just gonna break some off and thank you a Jersey Mike's opened up in uh, I s- our town. I saw that. Have so, you been there? No, we're going to try oh, it today. Oh, know. it's actually like freeze-dried raspberry. Raspberries. Okay, ready? Ready. <laughs> Hold on. I want to take a picture. You're going to have to taste it again. Well, I just won't. I won't. Uh, I had to delete a swear word that Krista just did. I'll hold it in my mouth until you put it in yours. <laughs> okay, ready? Uh-huh. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. That That's, raspberry. That is dark chocolate, though. But that raspberry mm. is really mm-hmm. good in there. Yeah, the freeze dried raspberry mm. is kind of crunchy mm-hmm. a little bit. 
Mm, that's it's really like good one raspberry of those, flavor, one though. One of those Nestle's Crunch Bars. Mm-hmm. But it's raspberry. This is really good. Mm-hmm. Mm. Wow. Two winners today. Mm-hmm. Now I need a sip of coffee because <laughs> they go so well together. It's nice not eating something fishy mm. or spicy. Yes, totally. Or both. Mm. It's Theo brand. It's Sorry, really we probably good. should have said that. Theo Organic Fair Trade Raspberry, 70% dark chocolate. It's yummy. This was a good little taste test. Square, yeah. I feel all elegant. Are you ready? All right. So this episode is just kind of a. I don't even want to say update because I don't really update a lot. It's just kind of a rehash of an older episode that got deleted from our RSS feed. It's still on. It's still on YouTube. I believe it is still in Internet Archive. Tiff put our our episodes all up on Internet Archive, and I think it might still be on Spotify, but it's out of the... I think op- if you go right to our website, though, and go to the RSS feed... It's there? I think so. It's just it's not showing up in, like, Stitcher yeah. or Apple Podcasts or whatever. Yeah. But We still have to get with Nick on that. But. I know, because our... And our, it was so long ago, and our audio quality was lackluster... We'll just say. Well, and there have been updates to these topics. Yeah, but not a lot. Okay. I mean, I'm just gonna, we're just going to kind of recap what we talked about in the last one, but mm-hmm. well, there'll be a couple other things. I mean, there's a couple new things. So basically, we're going to be talking about the Mandela effect, CERN, and simulation theory. Okay. Uh, it was, I feel like when we talked about them last time, it was kind of dense because we kind of... Were like they the all reality the same? stuff. No, like the reality stuff we talked about, and that's kind of when we talked about simulation yes. theory and uh, Mandela effect. We got into CERN a little bit, but I don't think we got a lot into we CERN. We did an episode on CERN, though, didn't we? No, that oh, was, we okay. talked about that in the Mandela effect. So this okay. time, we're not going to cover too much about the Mandela effect itself, but we are going to talk about some of the ones that we have talked about in the past and like what your favorite one is and what my favorite one is. Mm-hmm. But we're going to start this by some listeners might not even know what the Mandela effect sure. is. So this is a story I got from, I think it's called Pajiba, Pajiba.com. Sure. Something like that. Sounds right. Um, and this will just give you this story. It's not too long, but this will give you like an idea of what the Mandela effect is all about. Uh, it's from an article called You Got Mail, The Mandela Effect, and Collective False Memories. The article says, quote, my wife's all-time favorite movie is Harold and Maude, but she's always had this really sweet soft spot for You've Got Mail with Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. We watched it over the weekend, the first time I've seen it in a while. It's a 1998 film that I probably haven't seen since 2005, although I have probably seen it three or four times at least. I had a strong recollection of the film, and I could recite a number of the scenes before they happened. I wouldn't count it among my favorite films or anything, but it clearly resonated enough that I could remember a lot of the lines. The family liked it a lot, and I continue to like it, except for one thing, the ending. It's not there anymore. Or rather, the ending I remember is no longer in the movie. In the movie I watched over the weekend, Kathleen tells Joe, quote, I wanted it to be you. I wanted it to be you so badly. And then they kiss, and Brinkley hugs them before the camera drifts up into the sky, and it says, the end. Except that that's not how I remember it ending. I have a very strong memory of this movie, and I have a very vivid memory of an additional scene in which Kathleen is reading to children, and as the camera pulls back, it's revealed to be a version of her bookstore, The Little Shop Around the Corner, that has been rebuilt inside of Joe Fox's bookstore. 
My memory of that scene is so vivid that I told the kids to wait until after the credits began rolling because it might be a mid-credits scene or an after-credits scene. We watched all the way through the credits, however, and never saw that scene. I asked my wife if she knew why that ending was not in this version that was streaming on HBO Max, and she had no idea what I was talking about, and she had said she had seen the movie a dozen times. Not only that, but she told me that was a terrible ending. (laughs) Okay, I said that might be true, but I definitely remember that ending. Maybe it was a director's cut or something. I looked it up. There is not an alternate director's cut. But I specifically remember that ending, I insisted. And then my wife insists that maybe I was conflating Meg Ryan's scene with Chris Messina in Fox Books and the scene in her own bookstore where she is reading to children, but I genuinely did not believe this to be true. I remembered those two scenes, and they did not look similar to the ending of the movie that was in my memory. And so I did what anyone else might do and consulted the internet. What I discovered was this. There is no alternate director's cut. There is no alt DVD or Blu-ray cut. As far as I can tell, there is no other edit out there of this movie. And yet, there are Reddit threads where users have the same exact memory. They also couldn't locate the ending in the other versions of the film, and they insisted that they remembered the same ending that I remembered. I love this stuff. Yeah, so that... So yeah, and that's kind of my Mandela effect in a nutshell. Mm -hmm. And the article goes on to say... uh, Of course, it's possible that tens or hundreds or thousands of people mixed up two scenes, but isn't it weird that we all have the same specific memory? Especially because that's not the wish fulfillment ending I would have given the film in my own head in the first place. Right. My first thought was that it was the Mandela effect, and it was a thought that those on Reddit also had. It's an amusing thought, isn't it? Our universe split apart from another universe where You've Got Mail had a totally different ending. But honestly, I'm a rational, logical person. I know the Mandela effect is not real. There may be alternate universes, but we do not have access to them. And yet, for the life of me, I cannot rationally explain how so many of us could have the same exact vivid memory of a scene that apparently never happened. That's a weird thought. Yeah. That there are other alternate universes. We just don't have access to them. Is this some sort of mass delusion? Did someone on some television show once suggest this as an alternate ending and we all pictured it so vividly in our minds that it became a reality? It's weird. Memory is weird. But You've Got Mail? Not weird at all. It's still a lovely movie, but just one with a weirdly abrupt ending. I've seen the movie, but I couldn't tell you. I've never seen it. I've never seen it. I mean, it's probably been a couple decades since I've seen it, so I have zero to add to this (laughs) But that is the Mandela effect in a nutshell. It is is when... And there's a Mandela effect Reddit group, but people get, get it so confused with like, my keys weren't where I put them. Oh. It must be the Mandela effect. No. no. <laughs> the Mandela effect is when a lot of people remember something being a specific way when it is not that way in reality. And it never was. And it never was. Yeah. And that's a big thing, too, is that it never was. That's another frustrating thing. Like mm-hmm. with my New Zealand stuff, mm-hmm. uh, everybody's like, well, go look back at old maps. And it's like, no, if, if it's not right now, it's not going to be right on those maps. Right. You know, it was... Like, uh, we'll get into that. <laughs> Ooh, you just curted <laughs> Just curted myself. But that is the Mandela effect. When when something changed somehow, and a lot of people remember it being a different way. Do you want to quickly explain why it's called the Mandela effect? The term Mandela effect was coined in 2010 by paranormal researcher Sophia Broom when she noticed that others, just like her, misremembered the Nelson Mandela funeral. Like, a lot of people thought he had died... And it turned out that he didn't. But people specifically remember 
watching his funeral on TV, mm-hmm. and he, and he was still alive. And what year was it? Two thousand nine, you said. She she coined the term in two thousand ten. So she remembers the funeral happening, yes. and he didn't pass away till like two thousand thirteen. It was like or later, something like yeah. That. yeah. But but a lot of people are like, what? I remember watching that <sighs> right. on TV. So she called it the Mandela effect, and it's stuck. That mm-hmm. has stuck. And what's weird is that it was well before 2010 when I had my personal Mandela effect with New Zealand. And for those of you that haven't haven't heard me talk about this, uh, this was when I was working at my other job and I was bored one day. So I think I was on Above Top Secret, which is like a conspiracy theory, paranormal message board. And I saw a thread that said, "Is has New Zealand completely moved for anyone else? And I just kind of looked at it and I was like, whatever. But then I ended up going to it, and I have a friend named uh, Chess, Francesca, that lived in New Zealand. And back then, she would tell me when she was going, like, on holiday, where she was going on holiday. And she'd be like, well, look up the map of New Zealand and see where that is, Mm. you know, Mm -hmm. from there to wherever I'm going. So I had a really good idea of where New Zealand was. And when I went to that thread on Above Top Secret, everybody... It's talking about it being in a completely different place. And I'm like, no. So I went to look at a map and it was completely not where I remember it being. Specifically remember it being. You know what's weird about that? Is that it didn't move until you saw that thread. Yeah, it didn't. But I, I hadn't looked Your at it. I didn't look at it. it like it wasn't like the day before when I looked at it. It might have been like the year before that I looked mm-hmm. at it. But I knew where it was in relation to Australia. And, right. And when I saw that... I was like, what? And I remember, I think I messaged you or called Mm -hmm. you because I was like, I was really freaked out about Mm -hmm. that. And other people in that same thread were like, no, it was totally in a different spot. And then somebody on that thread went into Photoshop and put it where they remembered it being. And all of us are like, that is exactly where it used to be. And to this day, that's a thing with me. New Zealand moves for me a lot. And it, it doesn't, the last time I looked at it, sometimes it's closer to Australia. Sometimes it's like, north a little bit north of australia sometimes it's on the southern end of australia so it's constantly moving for me and it's not different map structures it's it's i'm looking at the same map all the time Hmm. so new zealand is still constantly moving for me which is so weird it is weird but it's a thing there's other people too it's not just me like that is one of the uh things that when you look up like top 20 weirdest mandela effects one of them that comes up is new zealand is constantly moving and that's happening to me all the time why it would happen i don't yeah, know Yeah, it's so strange but the explanation for why yeah, this happens and is when that was when i was noticing that i'm guessing it was around 2004 or 2005 so that was well before uh sophia broom mm-hmm. called it the mandela effect in 2010 mm-hmm so that's just, it's weird and it still blows me away. But by this point, I'm used to it. And I'm like, oh, I see New Zealand's in a different spot again, <laughs> you know, and and granted, I am not really well versed ge- in yeah, geography, geography, but I knew I had a really good. We had a reason to know. Where I had a reason to know a lot about New Zealand because Chess lived there and, and we talked about it a lot. So, so what did weird. you, what did she say when you told her that she it said moved? it was weird? And there's people to this day that are like, no, that's where it's always been. And then there's other people that are like, no, that is not where it's always been. It'd be weird if you lived there and it moved. But but you don't know. You know, you don't notice anything. It's not like 
Right. You know, it's I always think of it as and that people are always like, go back and look at old maps and that doesn't work. It's like I always compare it to that scene from Back to the Future where he has that newspaper clipping. Mm -hmm. And then when he changes something, the news, you see the newspaper clipping change. And that's what happens is that if it's changed now, it's changed back throughout history. Mm hmm. You know, maybe it is about some kind of time travel, and we'll get into we'll get into that. Okay. Oh, <laughs> we'll dang. get into that. Okay, but some other well-known Mandela effects. I'll just talk about a couple of them. We won't go too far into depth, but there is the Monopoly guy. People mm. can, are are convinced that the Monopoly guy at one time had a monocle, mm-hmm. and I can kind of remember. I can picture, I can it, picture but... him jumping on a card and the monocle popping out of his eye, like. Mm. But if you look now, he does not have a monocle. He's never had a monocle. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one is the phrase from the Disney movie that everybody thinks is mirror, mirror on the wall, mm-hmm. and it's not. It's magic mirror on the wall. Mm-hmm. And there's people that swear that it used to be mirror, mirror on the wall, and it has since changed. That's a big one for a lot of people. And again, that's not one that I would be too familiar with because I'm not really like a big Disney movie If person. someone asked me what is the phrase, I'd say mirror, mirror. Yeah. But, that but could... I have watched it since then and it, it is magic mirror on yeah. the wall. But has it always been magic mirror or did it used to be mirror, mirror and all of a sudden one day it's just changed? I could see something like that, like someone repeated it wrong and just over time, it's like a, what do they call that? Yeah. I don't know. It's just yeah. people just now. Yes. That's what they say. It's yeah. the same with the Star Wars one. And which it's you're the probably same with the Star Wars about. one. Yeah. yeah, where where people are convinced that the line in the movie that Darth Vader said was "Luke, I am your father," and it's not. It was "No, I'm your father." Mm-hmm. And I firmly believe that that is not a Mandela effect because I think I remember saying that as kids when that movie came out and all that stuff. Yeah. And. Uh, it was an awards show or something, right? Well, you you say, when you say, Luke, I am your father, having Luke in there gives it context to what you're talking about. Because if you just right. say, no, I am your father. People are like, eh? Huh? But if you say, Luke, I am your father, that I lets thought... people know that you're talking about Star Wars. So I think people have misremembered that one. But I also thought that there was footage of an award show, like the Oscars or something. There might be. There where might be. James Earl Jones yeah. said into the microphone, Luke, yeah. I am your father. Yeah. And maybe and that's people where people... people got confused about that. Yes. But that always shows up in the list of Mandela effects. And I don't believe that that's a true Mandela effect. I think not really. One thing that we're not going to really get into in this episode is memory stuff and mind stuff. We covered mm-hmm. that a lot in the last one. We covered a lot about the way how your memory works and how things get programmed in your memory. Mm-hmm. So if you really want to hear that, dredge up the old episode and listen to it there because yeah. I don't really go into that one too much in this one. You haven't but mentioned I, my two I'm, favorites. Yet. I'm on the fence about that because I do think there are some Mandela effects that I'm 100% convinced exist. Mm-hmm. New Zealand is one for me because that it's is still It's a personal happening. one for you. And uh, there's some that I think aren't like the, the Darth Vader one. I think right. that's a mis... I think it's a memory thing. Mm-hmm. I think I really think it I is. I would agree with that. Uh, there's also the Bible stuff, mm. which is weird. That Have we talked about this? Yes. Okay. That <laughs> Speaking of memory. People swear that the passage in the Bible used to be the lion shall lay down with the lamb, and it is not. It says the wolf shall dwell with the lamb. Wolf? Wolf. Wolf. <laughs> the wolf shall dwell with the lamb. Interesting. Yeah, because people are convinced that at one time the Bible quote was... 
The lion shall lay down with the lamb, and the bear shall eat grass like the ox, and the child shall play on the hole of the asp, and nothing shall hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. And now when you go to that passage, it says, The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf, and the young lion, and the fatling together, and the little child shall lead them. And this isn't just like, you know, there's so many different versions of the Bible. No, no. It's nothing like that? But people are convinced that at one time it said the lion shall lie down with the lamb, and it never said that. Hmm. So people are like, where did that come from then? Because people remember the lion shall lie down with the lamb. Hmm. Um, I'm not versed enough in the Bible to one that, know that one. Uh, this isn't my top one. We'll get to my top one in a little bit, but one that is like right up there with my top one, and we've talked about it in the last episode, was the scene from the James Bond movie Moonraker, mm-hmm. where uh, Jaws, Jaws, Jaws? yes, yeah. Jaws, like Jaws was like one of the bad guys' henchmen, and he had metal teeth. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you know, the bad guy that would beat up Bond and he was big and tough and all that stuff. Kind of scary. And throughout the movie, he ended up, there was a girl, like a like a young, cute teenage girl that you could that he kind of was smitten with. And at the end of the movie, you know, like towards like the climax or whatever, they, you know, like he smiles at her and she smiles back at him and he becomes good and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But... Everybody remembers when they originally watched that movie, when the girl smiles back at him, she has braces, which was a really cute tie-in because he has metal teeth. Mm -hmm. And when she smiles back, she has braces. And then it's like, oh, that's really cute. They have a little commonality. And now she does not have braces. Hmm. And people are really freaked out by that one because everybody remembers the girl having braces. Well, it makes sense. Yeah. You know, why why would they do that? That's what people even say. They're like, when you watch it now, it just seems off because it's like... It would have been so they don't have easy to have bra- no. It would have been so easy to have braces on her, and right. she doesn't, and she never did. Weird. But everybody remembers the girl having braces, mm. and we'll get- I think that's different than misremembering a phrase. Oh, I do too. That's a detail. I do too, because that's a specific thing that it's like mm-hmm. oh, because that that kind of like touched it's a lot of people. It that it was like sense. that's cute that she has yeah. braces and he has metal teeth, mm-hmm. and she does not have braces, and. We'll get your, probably your favorite Mandela effect. Yeah, I have two top ones, but I definitely have a number one. The number one, I'm guessing the number one is Jiffy peanut mm-hmm. butter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where there a real is problem a, with this one. There is a Jiff peanut butter. There is a, a Skippy peanut butter. But a lot of people swear to God that there was a Jiffy peanut butter mm-hmm. at one point. Yep. And I'm Christa, one of those people. Krista completely remembers that. Well, and it's it's funny because for me, it's not... We were always a Skippy family. We yeah. never bought Jif. We yeah. always bought Skippy. But my grandma always had Jiffy. I remember my grandma having Jiffy peanut butter. And people say, oh, you're just remembering Jiffy popcorn. We never bought Jiffy popcorn ever. Neither did my grandma. We all had um, air poppers. Yeah. And so we would buy popcorn in bulk. We didn't, Jiffy Popcorn was that stuff you put on the top of your stove, right? Yeah, like yeah. the movie Scream, yeah. Drew Barrymore. Yeah. And maybe there's a Jiffy brand of popcorn, but I'm not confusing popcorn with no. peanut butter. They're two no. completely different food products. And you said you remember what the package looks like. I even can see the it. It was like the... blue, red. Like I can see the lettering. I can see it yep. was like primary colors. Yes, it existed. And it yep. was like one of those sweet peanut butters. Yeah, I got that's weird you said that because <laughs> so I I have a couple quotes off of Reddit about that. Somebody on Reddit said, 
I clearly remember Jiffy peanut butter. It was sweeter, more like Peter Pan peanut butter is today. Yes. I also remember Jif commercials at the same time. The commercial Choosy Mothers Choose Jif made me want to try Jif. Mm -hmm. After I did try it, it did taste more like real peanuts than Jiffy did. There was definitely a difference in taste, so the two products were not simply one product that shortened its name. Jiffy peanut butter also has absolutely nothing to do with Jiffy baking mixes. There was a Jiffy peanut butter. Somebody else says, Jiffy peanut butter. I noticed this change about 10 years ago. Obviously, I didn't know about the Mandela effect at the time, so I assumed they just rebranded it. 10 years later, I find out that Jiffy, quote, never existed. I'd sure love to know how I saw it in my mom's kitchen throughout my childhood then. Right. I think my brother even remembers it too. Somebody else says... I ate Jiffy nearly every single day as a kid growing up in the late 60s and 70s. It was such a staple in my house and I ate so much of it that I got sick of peanut butter and I never buy it anymore. Several years ago, I noticed Jif peanut butter in my mom's pantry. She never stopped buying peanut butter. I assumed it was a rebranding thing too, but nope. I even emailed whoever distributes Jif now. Procter & Gamble maybe? That was a few years ago. They claimed it's always been Jif. It has not always been just Jif. So this one frustrates. So people me. agree with you, and it was yeah. funny that you mentioned the sweeter thing because somebody mm-hmm. else on Reddit said it was sweeter. It was like a sweeter peanut butter. I don't remember Jiffy peanut butter, but I you so firmly do yeah. that I one hundred percent believe it's such believe. a specific thing, yeah. and it's not even yeah. something that we had. It was something my grandma had. Yeah. We were a Skippy household. So but there are a lot of people that remember a peanut butter named Jiffy that mm-hmm. never existed. Apparently. Ugh. Uh, what's your Lies. other one? What's your other one? The My, Berenstein Bears. That's the that's <laughs> one I was gonna. That's the we next one I was gonna talk on about. We just had Instagram about that one yeah. too. So the Berenstein Bears were books that were named after the author of the books, Stan and Jan Berenstein, and mm-hmm. everybody remembers it being spelled Stein, S T E I N, and it's not. But I pronounce it Berenstein. Yeah, not Stein. Yeah. I heard Berenstein Bears, Berenstein Bears, but everybody remembers it being S-T-E-I-N, mm-hmm. and it's not. It's it's Stain, S-T-A-I-N. And people, everybody is like, no, that used to be S, it used to be Stein mm-hmm. and not Stain. Mm-hmm. And I remember the first time I noticed this, I was at my friend Angie's house, the one that I work with, years and years and years ago. I was there around Christmas time, and her children got the books. And I'm looking at it, and I'm like, why are these spelled wrong? And Angie was like, no, they're not spelled wrong. That's always... And I'm like, no, it used to be Stein (laughs) or Steen, Mm -hmm. and it's not. It's Stain. And she's like, that's how they've always been spelled. So crazy. And people all across the internet are like, no, that used to be spelled differently. It used to be Berenstein or Berenstein and not Berenstain. Mm -hmm. Because like I said, if it was Stain, we would have laughed about that when we were kids. Right. And talked about poop stain. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, and it was never stain. So that's like a huge Mandela yeah. effect is that so many people are convinced that at some point, for some reason, that changed mm-hmm. all throughout reality. It changed. And history changed. Yep. And and there is that photo from Instagram, but that apparently was a misprint that yes. happened. Yeah. Because it says Berenstein Bears. It's yeah. not Berenstein. Yep. But one thing I don't really get into in here too much, but there's people that are convinced that there's a residue left behind of when something changes. And that's why we remember. That's why we remember. And that's mm-hmm. why sometimes you see like like the misprint. Mm-hmm. Like somebody, somebody didn't knows get rid of that what evidence. it used to be and they yeah. misprint it because it's wrong to them. Hmm. You know, so the Berenstein Bears is a huge, huge, huge one that, that freaks a lot of yeah. people out. And my number one 
other than New Zealand. But is the, this the fruit of the loom? Yes, one? the fruit mm-hmm. of the loom one is like <laughs> like how you are with Jiffy. Yeah, because and I don't have a specific memory with because this one. I do. When I was a kid, I had fruit of the loom underwear. Mm-hmm. My my parents bought that for me, and I vividly remember the cornucopia. You and a lot of people. Yeah, everybody remembers fruit of the loom underwear having the fruit coming out of a cornucopia because in their logo is I'll, I'll read about. some stuff off yeah. reddit too but that is how i knew what a cornucopia was because we all knew the cornucopia from the fruit of the loom logo and apparently it never existed the cornucopia was never on the fruit of the loom logo so crazy so here's a couple things off reddit about that somebody says I distinctly remember a commercial from my childhood where the Fruit of the Loom characters, you know, the men dressed in the fruit costumes, were walking out of a cornucopia. Now that I read this post, it's a complete mind... Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say that word. It's Bleep. a complete mind boggler. Mm-hmm. Does anyone else remember some something similar or am I splicing the Fruit of the Loom guys into a completely different commercial in my mind? Somebody else says, what I find super creepy is that after reading this, I googled image quote, Fruit of the Loom Cornucopia, and the results that came up are exactly what I have pictured and known my entire life. So how is that possible? How do so many people not only remember that there was a cornucopia in there at some point, but we also remember the same exact design? Somebody else says, well, I distinctly remember in the 80s at Kmart as a kid being near the underwear section and running over to look at the little fruit coming out of the cornucopia in the Fruit of the Loom logo and being disappointed that it was no longer there. It was just fruit. And my mom told me maybe they just changed it. Somebody else said, I absolutely agree with you. I also learned what a cornucopia was from this logo. I think about this and the Berenstein Bears ones a lot, specifically because I can pinpoint the exact day I noticed the change on both of these. I was in fourth grade in religious education class when I noticed the change in the spelling of Berenstein, and I was in 11th grade when I noticed the cornucopia missing from the Fruit of the Loom logo. So a lot of people remember there being a cornucopia, and I totally do. I know what it looks like in my head, and that's not what it looks like now. So that's a huge one. I think it's frustrating because it messes with your reality. It does. It does. It, like the first time that happens to you, it completely blows your mind. It does. But then you almost it's get like kind of like the rug used to it. You. Yep. And there, there's been some recent ones that are, eh. and like I said, a lot of people are just like the Ford logo, the Ford eh. logo one, the Mona Lisa one kind of weirds me out because people remember the Mona Lisa gr- like having that smile more than she like does. Like she was smiling more. Like she was smiling more. But isn't more. that the whole point of the photos? No, because she used to have kind photo. of, she used to kind of have a painting. She used to have a bigger smile than she does now. Mm. Now there's like almost no trace of a smile, but she used to have like mm. more of a trace of a smile. See, I don't remember that because and to me, the whole point of the, the painting, I keep saying photos that yeah. she's just barely yep. smiling and people yep. want to know what is she just barely smiling yeah. about? Yeah. So if, if you're interested in this, mm. if you go on Google and type in Mandela effect, uh, Examples. Just be careful because it'll rock your world if yeah, you find one. Yeah, there's a ton of them you can find. <laughs> one of the newer ones I found, uh, this was on Reddit. It said, the person said, well, this one is sort of mind-blowing. If you've ever taken an art class, it's almost a cliche that you'd be introduced to Georgia O'Keeffe and invariably walk through her flowers slash vaginas, mm-hmm. you know, which her paintings look yep, like. they do. And they said, very few artists achieve a household name status, but O'Keefe is an American darling, hailed as the mother of American modernism, and she even has a whole museum dedicated to her work. So when did her last name become O-K-E-E-F-F-E with two extra F's at the end? It always used to just be K-E-E-E 
K-E-E-F-E. You just added an extra I know. E. <laughs> I know. I wouldn't know this one. Yeah. And it, it's weird because I, I do remember it being just K-E-E-F-E with one F. That's what I would imagine too, but... But maybe that's just a sound thing where when you yeah. hear Keith, you assume that it's not going to be two Fs. It'll be mm-hmm. two E's, but no, it's apparently two E's and two Fs. Hmm. So that one is kind of messing a lot of people up. So that's, well, I guess if you're a fan of her work too, you, I mean, artists sign their paintings. You're mm-hmm. used to seeing someone's name a lot. So yeah. if you had a very specific spelling in your mind and yep. it changed, that would be yeah. kind of frustrating. Yep. So that that's the Mandela effect. Mm-hmm. You know, Krista's, Krista has one that's very vivid for her. I have a couple that are very vivid mm-hmm. for me. And a lot of people do. So what could possibly be causing this? There are kind of, there's a bunch of theories, but I'm going to stick with two of them. And... The first one I'm going to talk about is, you know, that this is one of my favorites because I bring this up a lot and a lot of people kind of know that I like this idea. And that is simulation theory. Mm -hmm. And that is basically the theory that we are living in a computer simulation and that the Mandela effect is just glitches. And Or maybe it's when we got uploaded into the simulation theory yeah. maybe we were living in actual reality at one point and the move and what's to simulation weird, what's really weird is my sixth graders one day i don't remember what we were even talking about because we have a flex class where we talk we do a lesson and then we just talk about whatever but i talked about i brought this up and i and they're talking about like weird theories and stuff and i brought this up and i said you know there there's people that believe that we are living in a computer simulation and hallie one of my sixth grade girls said and I, this came like out of the blue and it was so weird. She said, I don't think we always were, but I think we are now. Hmm. And it's like, where did she get that from? Because right. she wasn't even around like when 2012 and all this stuff. Right. Kind of. Which came. is when people think. Something happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that is what I think too. So it was weird she said that because that's kind of my belief too, that we weren't always in one, but something happened and now we might be in a computer simulation. So, quick question. If we are living in a computer simulation, really this reality is kind of in our heads? No, it's 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 real because but it's just programmed. It's We'll get so, into that. We'll get into that so right like now. So like my house doesn't exist or does it exist? It does as a computer program that we're living in. We'll get into get into this right now. <laughs> I have a really hard this time. This is a combination of two articles, one from an April 20th, 2020 article on interestingengineering.com called Living in the Matrix: Everything You Need to Know About Simulation Theory, and another article that I forgot to put down, so I'm sorry about that article people, but this is a this is kind of a mashup of two different articles. The article says, quote, In 2003, four years after the movie The Matrix hit theaters, Oxford University philosopher Nick Bostrom published his simulation argument. And this is one that I feel I didn't do justice on in the last episode. I made it like more difficult than it needs to be. Mm. So his argument contains three scenarios, one of which must be true. So there's three scenarios. One of these three must be true. Scenario number one, Humanity will go extinct before creating technology powerful enough to run convincing simulations of reality. Scenario number two, humanity will live to see such technology, but decide for whatever reason not to run any simulations. Or scenario number three, humanity will create that technology and run many different simulations of humankind's evolutionary history, in which case there would be many simulated realities and only one non-simulated one. So it's more likely than not that we could be living in a simulation right now. So that's basically saying, 
one of those three is going to happen. Either mm-hmm. we are going to go extinct before we are able to actually do the technology. so yeah. so perfect um, simulations, like The Sims. Like the you know, like this. It's like The Sims. It's like the game The Sims. Mm-hmm. So we're either going to go extinct before we can do that. We will be able to do it, or we're going to decide not to. Or there's the possibility we're living in one of those simulations right now that our future, us, are running. <laughs> Krista's just looking like, wow. Talk about not making it more complicated than it needs to be. Yeah. But why? My question is why? What's the purpose of a living in a simulation? Because they are running a simulation to, to study like a progression of, of a civil, civilization or to study how we progressed but can't or we for the same history? reason that same reason that kids love ant colonies they're 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 mm. we're like of the sims they're running us as the sims hmm. you know but i totally could see when we get to the point where we can do like the sims so perfectly that the sims are going to have consciousness that we would run that in order to see different scenarios or in order to watch the past and that's what we could be. Hmm. <laughs> Chris is just blown. But blown in by order this one. To, to, I mean, don't I need some technology to be able to see the simulation? No, like, are we all laying so, in a room it's somewhere so with it's, like? No, because we're computer programs, basically advanced computer programs. But where are where are we? We are. <laughs> See, we I can't put this together. like the game The Sims. We are those characters. We're just those characters living in this. We're computer. not actual human beings. We're not actual so. human beings. Oh, we're okay. just characters living okay, in this okay, computer okay. program. And the simulation is so good, we think we're. Yeah, real. yeah. I don't like it. I know. You, I know you don't like that. You said that <laughs> last time we talked about this, and you didn't like it. So those are the three scenarios. You know, uh, his paper argues that we cannot know for sure if any of these are 100% likely to occur without a doubt, but the third option is most likely the most probable outcome. In short, our great-great-great-great-great-great-grandchildren will probably have the computing power needed to run evolutionary simulations of humanity. With the way that technology is exponentially progressing every year, why would they not? And how would you know that you are not currently part of one of those simulations? Ponder that for a second. Mm-hmm. So there's that. And here is from a really, really good uh, February 8th, 2019 article. And I'm going to actually mention the guy's name because we're going to basically read this whole article by Matt Steeb on Vulture.com called, quote, 15 irrefutable reasons why we might be living in a simulation. Reason number one, the Mandela effect. It explains that it's a It does glitch. help explain that, yep. yeah. Yeah. It, I or mean, it explains... See, I think it's less of a glitch and more of, well, this is maybe we weren't in a computer simulation and we are now. Yep. So the memories we have from before yeah. didn't get deleted from our hard yep. drive. Yeah. That's, yeah. That makes more sense that, to me than just a glitch. Yeah, it, it does. That makes a lot of sense. But it explains Mandela effect. And then that goes right into number two, which is it makes more sense than ghosts. Uh, It says, paranormal events are not hauntings or alien encounters, but glitches in the simulation. This theory is the one most explored on Reddit forums like, are we living in a simulation and glitch in the matrix, where users explore big ideas and philosophy funneled into the details of the odd or the occult. I can buy into that. A storefront exists in a town one day and the next day it doesn't. Explanations include a slip between parallel timelines or a pop-up. A car passenger actually sees the word render appear in the sky as if entering a new part of a video game. 
Elevators are a frequent setting for glitch stories. The jump between floors seems to encourage a slip within dimensions. Hmm. So it would explain ghosts. It would explain Bigfoot. That this is all mm-hmm. just stuff in this simulation we're living in. Aliens. Yep. Number three, missing aliens. <laughs> it says, we've spent billions sending probes through outer space and should probably have found evidence of extraterrestrials by now, right? Not so fast. Aliens would likely be far more technologically advanced than we are, the thinking goes. So the fact that we haven't located them suggests we live in a simulation that they've figured out maybe how to escape from. Or maybe the computer we're in only has enough memory to simulate one planetary civilization at a time. Hmm. So there's that. Uh, the next but one. But there are a lot of people who witness UFOs yep. and have like abduction stories. Yeah. So the next one, electrons that can't make up their minds. And this one always fascinated me. Like I love this this whole thing. In physics, famous double slit experiment. Electrons are fired at a photosensitive screen through slits in a copper plate, usually producing an interference pattern that indicates wave-like behavior. But when the same experiment is conducted under observation, then the electrons behave like particles, not waves, and there's no interference pattern. Some have taken this to mean our simulation is conserving its resources and rendering certain things only when it knows we're looking at them. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about this in the last one. I remember talking about that in our room at the school where we said the snack closet is right there. And because we are not in there, there's nothing there. It's blank. There's nothing exists. When we open that door to go in there is when the simulation fills it in that we can actually go in. Like when you go to a next room in a video game, like when you're in Silent Hill in the school hallway and you open a door, then it builds that room Mm -hmm. for you to see. And sometimes if there's a glitch, you can actually watch that happen. Yeah, but that explains the double slit experiment, which Mm -hmm. is weird. The Mm -hmm. double slit experiment is weird where things change if you're you're being observed. Like when you're not looking at it. I watched something on that. So Yeah. yeah, it's very... Very, that's, yep. that's mind-blowing, yeah. actually. The next one is DNA that contains a computer virus. Mm. In 2017, a multidisciplinary group of researchers at the University of Washington proved that they could embed malicious computer code into actual physical strands of DNA. Their aim was to show that computers working in gene sequencing were vulnerable to attack, but they also may have inadvertently revealed what we perceive to be biological reality was in fact computer coding all along. There are people who think the COVID vaccine has some kind of computer. Really? Yes. I've never heard Some kind of micro chip in it. The next one is climate change. It says our our civilization, I can't say that word. I hate that word. Civilization? Our civilization is set on the cusp of environmental chaos, suggesting we could be an ancestor simulation created in hopes that we'd show our ancestors how we learned to solve an energy crisis. This theory slightly overlaps with the aliens as simula- aliens as simulation quitters theory. If we found an innovative solution to climate crisis, extraterrestrial beings might return to steal the results, mm. which is weird. The next well, one. Well, I think a theory is that alien aliens would only come here because they they've depleted or destroyed yeah. their own resources. Yep. So if we figure out how to stop doing that, which I don't I don't know, I'm not very. But hopeful. it could be another <laughs> it could be another reason that they would run a simulation is to see how we would solve a problem they're dealing with, and then mm-hmm. like, oh, that makes sense. Like right. we, that's just like the whole thing hinges on the fact that we are super intelligent Sims from the computer game The Sims. Mm-hmm. That's what we are. The next one, video games that look like real life. 
Elon Musk is a believer in Nick Bostrom's simulation hypothesis, which posits that if humanity can survive long enough to create technology capable of running convincing simulations of reality, it will create many of them, and therefore we may be living in one of them. According to Musk, video games are really cool these days. In 2016, he explained, quote, 40 years ago, we had Pong, two rectangles and a dot. Now, 40 years later, we have photorealistic 3D with millions playing at the same time. If you assume any rate of improvement at all, then the games will become indistingu- in- indistinguishable. <laughs> then the games will become indistinguishable. Indistinguishable? The, the games will become just like reality, <laughs> even if that rate of advancement drops by 1,000% from what it is now. It's a given that we're clearly on a trajectory that we're going to have games that are exactly like reality. So it would seem to follow that the odds that we are in the one and only reality is one in billions. Krista's like, hmm, your mind is kind of blown by this, isn't it? A little bit, yeah. yeah. It's just hard. I mean, a lot of it I can, it makes sense. Yeah. But it's it's also hard to wrap your head around it. And this next one is one that I've actually seen pop up a lot lately, and that's weird news. And it says, some have proposed that the recent unlikelihoods, like Donald Trump becoming president, Brexit, the 2017 Oscars envelope mix-up, and that year's 25-point Super Bowl comeback almost means that we're living in a malfunctioning simulation. Whoever is pushing the buttons is messing around with us. And a lot of people buy into this one. A lot of people say that things, like reality doesn't seem right anymore. Like Mm. things almost seem scripted. Mm. Like things are happening that shouldn't be happening and everything just seems like it's off. The next one is quarks with computer code. It says, seemingly not crazy theoretical physicist James Gates claims that he had identified what appeared to be actual computer code embedded into the equations of string theory that described the fundamental particles of our universe. He says he found error-correcting codes, like the kind that make web browsers work. So why were they in the equation that I was studying about quarks and electrons and supersymmetry? So it's weird that they find computer code in Mm -hmm. the fabric that makes everything up. You know, the next one is, why does our universe have rules in the first place? MIT cosmologist Max Tegmark has pointed to our universe's strict laws of physics as possible evidence that we do live in a video game. He says, quote, if I were a character in a computer game, I would also discover eventually that the rules seem completely rigid and mathematical. In this theory, the speed of light, the fastest rate at which any particle can travel, represents the speed limit for transmitting information within the network of our simulation. You know, and that's like if you're Mario, you have certain rules. You can't jump higher than this. You can't sure. do this. Mm-hmm. So that 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 puts us, that compares us to like a Mario where we have rules that are fixed that we can't go past. The next one, it's not actually possible to prove we're not living in a simulation. It may be easier to prove that we're living in a simulation than to prove we're not. Nuclear physicist Zorik Davudi believes that cosmic rays, the most energetic particles known to man, would appear as pixel-like chunks if we were within a simulation and unending beams if we were in base reality. Meanwhile, NYU philosopher David Chalmers doubts it's possible to prove that we don't live in a matrix. He says, quote, you're not going to get proof that we're not in a simulation because any evidence that you get could be simulated. <laughs> so, yeah, that's true. Yep. The next one... The Goldilocks Zone. Earth exists within what astrobiologists call a Goldilocks Zone, close enough to a star that greenhouse gases can trap heat to keep liquid water, but far enough away that the planet does not become a Venusian hothouse. 
That we live in such an orbital sweet spot is circumstantial evidence for a simulation. If our designers wanted us to succeed, it would make sense that they'd place us in such a cushy environment. Which is true. I mean, we're, we're, the way that things are, it almost seems set up that we're in this, on this planet, in this exact spot. Uh, Jupiter keeps like asteroids and stuff away from us. It's almost like if somebody wanted to set us in a place that would be perfect, it would be here. But maybe that's why we, that's why we started here is because it was a sweet spot. So the class that I'm taking right now is environmental science. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I just did a paper or I'm working on uh, evolution and it's just, it's interesting to think about the crazy, um, what do they call it? Like this crazy soup that had to occur that would have organisms that would slowly yeah. develop. Like, it's crazy that humans exist. Like, how it's crazy, complex it's it is. It's crazy that we exist, but what's crazy to me is that we still exist. You know, like... Right, the like, biology, though, that had like, to go into yeah, us Yeah, but like sometimes I think about, like... You know, it, I know it's weird, but sometimes I think about gravity and it's like, it's weird mm -hmm. that it, what if it just stopped and we all went flying <laughs> right. off? Like the fact that we sit here on this revolving planet and we're still here and nothing destroys us right. is like something is either protecting us. The odds of it all. Yeah. Like something is, is protecting us or yeah. that we were, that this is a simulation that we were set here like this. Yeah. The odds that we exist and how yep. everything around us works in yep. sort of uh, harmony is, is it, crazy. But, yeah. Yeah. And the next one, we already know what the bricks of our matrix are. According to simulation believers, we may have already found the pixel-sized building blocks of the universe, the Planck length, the point at which our concepts of gravity and space-time no longer apply. If our world is indeed simulated, the Planck length would be an equivalent of one bit of information or a pixel. So we kind of know what a pixel size would be if we were... Uh, the next one, we're already good at making simulations and we're just getting better. In 2014, the Harvard-Smithsonian Center for Astrophysics, that sounds like a fun school to go mm -hmm. to, that sounds like a breeze, That's a <laughs> yeah, gimme. no problem. connected 8,000 computers to create a 350 million light year simulation, simulation <laughs> of our universe. Hey, you just described what we are, a simulation. <laughs> oh, I should, I should coin that, that phrase. I should coin that phrase. They hooked up 8,000 computers to create a 350 million light year simulation, I did it again, simulation simulation of our universe and digitally aged it over 13 billion years that the sims video game franchise has sold over 125 million copies in its first decade shows that we're interested in playing with simulations sim simulations <laughs> too so if and when a future version of humanity finds themselves with the ability to create more realistic simulations it wouldn't be a surprise if they did mm -hmm. which is totally true you know people still yeah. love the sims so somebody is playing the sims with us just on a higher level. And the last one they have is Yanni versus Laurel. <laughs> Remember in 2015 when the world flipped out because we all looked at the same photo and some There's of us saw of a blue too. dress yeah. and some saw a gold dress or the Yanni Laurel fiasco of 2018. Mm -hmm. And there was the less explosive blue or gold or white flip-flop debate of 2016. Say what you want about pitch and volume and color saturation. These controversies made one thing clear. Each of us lives in our own world, really. What we perceive as reality is in fact part of a simulation created by our brains using our past experiences to help us process the fragments of data that we're receiving. Those things are crazy, though. Yeah, they are. They are. They mess with your reality, yep. for sure. 
So yeah. Uh, so what's interesting is that Nick Bostrom, who kind of got the ball rolling on the idea of simulation theory himself, kind of refutes some of these pieces of evidence. In a February 6, 2019 interview on Vulture.com called, quote, Philosopher Nick Bostrom on whether or not we live in a simulation. God, I can't pronounce that word today. Simulation. He is asked about the Mandela effect, and he responds, quote, I don't think it's related at all, actually. I think if we assume that we are not in a simulation, you would still expect there to be various reports of anomalies, paranormal phenomena, etc. Some people have delusions. Some people misremember something. Sometimes there's a collective phenomenon where a lot of people are mistaken together. I just think from human nature and from reporting bias, you would expect to hear those things every once in a while. So he kind of doesn't buy, even though he postulated the idea that we live in a computer simulation, he kind of doesn't buy the Mandela effect thing. Hmm. And then when asked about the weird new stuff, he says, quote, I hear about these events sometimes. Sometimes an individual will write to me and say they had some personal experience that they attribute to being in a simulation. So maybe that's somebody with psychological problems. At any given time, there are metaphors that people reach for if they experience something and they don't know how to fit it into their normal framework. Mm -hmm. In earlier ages, they would have said they were possessed by a demon. And maybe there are other metaphors to reach for that that I heard are in the zeitgeist with computers and their simulations or whatnot. So no, I don't think unusual news is evidence of a simulation. We're fairly ignorant about what kind of simulations would be produced, so we can only make weak guesses about those kinds of observations. Mm -hmm. So there you go. And kind of going along with that, from a September 27th, 2020 article on Medium.com called, quote, Did the world end in 2012? The article says, quote, the thread also made the claim that the world has gotten more chaotic and that time moves quicker now. It makes the actually logical suggestion that time has felt as though it's moving quicker because all of us are getting older. It's not anything conspiracy related at all. But yes, the world may seem more weird and chaotic in the past eight years, probably because as we got older, we pay more attention to the chaos. As children or young adults, we may not have cared about who was the president or what was going on in the world, but as fully-fledged adults, it's hard to ignore. And I, have a theory I, I, about that. I get that, that we're more inundated by news, by like constant news. My theory about this, I'll keep it brief. I think I've talked about it on the show. When you're a kid, your focus is singular. Whatever you're doing, that's what you are doing 100%. Yes. Yeah. As adults, we are multitasking all day, yeah. every day. Yeah. And so time slips by without you noticing it because you're not in the moment anymore. No, I, I totally agree with that. Kids I totally agree with that. Kids are in the moment all yeah. the time. And I, th- and I so do it's... think it's a combination of that and that we are hit by news everywhere. Yeah. We're hit by constant information is hitting us nonstop all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think that the whole... I think kids now are like, going, time's going to go faster yeah, for them because yeah. of social media yeah, and the internet. Yes. And we didn't but have But the whole that. thing with Trump becoming president at the time seemed completely like scripted. Like, like this is weird. Like this shouldn't happen. You know, like, and I, I understand that that makes things feel like super chaotic mm-hmm. and like things aren't normal, you know? So, but I, I agree with what you said. And I think it's that and the information bombardment that we're mm-hmm. getting that, that makes everything seem weird. We partially do it to ourselves. We though. do. Turn we the do. TV off, set your Scroll phone off. Scroll through Facebook and see what people yes. are complaining about on the news. Yeah, yep. I totally 100% agree. But so there's some stuff about simulation theory. Like I totally buy that. I totally buy that we could be living in a computer simulation. It's not that I don't buy it. I just don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I know you don't. I know you I don't. I don't like the idea that somebody else is controlling my reality. What about but free will? But they're not. We're, we're, you know, we're... Maybe so we have free will. Still? We have free will. We're just computer. We're computer people. I guess because we're they sims say with AI. free will that some god started a game. 
Yeah, AI can have, you know, can start to think on its own. Yeah, it and already like, is. like they said, what's to say that you and I didn't just start our our thing today and that we were programmed with to our past knowledge to have oh, a history? No, <laughs> which that is one thing that people talk Blah. about is that maybe you and I never met before today, but we have pre-programmed history that we have. I don't like it. You know, <laughs> so nope. I am one hundred percent on board with simulation theory. It it explains deja vu, it explains ghosts, it explains all this stuff, and and. You know, there there was, I did go to that Reddit article where somebody swears that when they were driving one day, they were looking at a part of the sky and all of a sudden it said rendering, like a computer would say when it's filling in stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and I've had weird days. Like, I think I talked about this on here one day when I was driving by Lake Michigan and I was just looking at the lake and all of a sudden there was this burst of light for like a split second. And I was like, what was that? And mm-hmm. then it was gone. But there was this, and it was like, did something just happen in that one moment mm-hmm. that... You know, and other people have said something like that happened to them. Uh, somebody said that they had something like that around 2012, and they wonder if that wasn't when things Shifted. switched over. And there are people that legitimately believe the world did end in 2012, but mm. that somehow we were put in a simulation to continue, mm-hmm. which is weird. So mm-hmm. there's some mind-blowing stuff for you. There's simulation theory. Yeah, I'm on board. I'm just an unwilling passenger. <laughs> I've been kidnapped and stuffed into a van. <laughs> I'll take that. I'll accept that. And one of the other, this is the only other one we're going to talk about, though. The only other thing we're going to talk about as a possible thing for the Mandela effect is CERN. And a lot of people point to CERN as the cause of all this going on. CERN is weird. Mm-hmm. And some of the stuff I did not... I was reading this and I'm like, what? Like, I don't remember looking at some of these facts about it last time. This... Maybe they didn't exist last oh, time. Oh, good Mandela point. Effect. Good point. This just kind of blew me away a little bit. So, straddling the French-Swiss border, the $9 billion CERN Colliders Complex is buried at a depth of up to 575 feet. The tunnel complex runs along a 17-mile circuit. Scientists involved in the project say the laboratory was built underground because the Earth's crust provides protection against radiation. They also say that it was buried out of respect for the natural landscape, which sounds slightly ironic considering the massive damage the collider could possibly do somehow down the road. Right. The CERN collider, it's a super collider, basically. That's what it is. It is it's a, it's a large together, hadron right? collider. Yep. The CERN collider is composed of 9,600 super magnets, which are 100,000 times more powerful than the gravitational pull of the Earth that fire protons around a circular track at mind-boggling speeds. A beam might rotate for up to 10 hours, traveling a distance of more than 10 billion kilometers, enough to make it to the far reaches of the solar system and back again. Traveling just below light speed, a proton and a large hadron collider will make 11,245 circuits of the loop every second. Ugh, that's crazy. That's just nuts. That that's, is mind, ju- that's mind-blowing. That is mind-blowing. There may be it's another... slightly terrifying. Yeah, there may be another reason for the CERN super collider being buried hundreds of feet underground. The hot temperatures it can reach. How hot, do you ask? Well, as hot as conditions in the universe after the Big Bang, or more than 100,000 times the temperature at the center of the sun. <laughs> that's just... That is just nuts to me that 100,000 times hotter than the inside of the sun. How did they get this approved? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. 
Astonishingly, astrophysical observations have demonstrated that all visible physical matter accounts for only 4% of the universe. Now the race is on its CERN to find those elusive particles or phenomena responsible for dark matter, which makes up 23%, and dark energy, which makes up 73%. It's crazy to me that that visible physical matter only makes up 4% mm-hmm. of the universe. And that's where dark matter and dark energy comes in. Essentially, what the CERN experiment hopes to achieve is to separate, by ways of the atom smasher, the invisible dark matter, which has been described as the very glue that holds together everything visible. There's just one problem with this experiment. Nobody has any idea what the, consequ- that the consequences will be if that goal is achieved. So once again, this dark versus visible paradigm has generated a battle that transcends the scientific world, becoming a question involving philosophy and spirituality. And that gets to the Higgs boson, or the God particle. And this... That's what they're trying to create, Yes, right? and they did. They did. Yeah, yeah. yes. And, and this... I went to Kittle, which is like the kid's version of Google that we use for school to look up the Higgs boson article. I should the, use that for school. Higgs boson or Higgs boson? I think it's Higgs think boson. It's boson. Uh, So I looked this up on Kittle, and even now, it's like, uh, okay. The Higgs boson is a particle in the standard model of physics. In the 1960s, Peter Higgs was the first person to express the idea. On March 14th, 2013, scientists at CERN tentatively confirmed that they have found the particle. It is one of the 17 particles in the standard model. The Higgs particle is a boson. Bosons are thought to be particles which are responsible for all physical forces. Other known bosons are the photon, the W and Z bosons, and the gluon. Scientists do not yet know how to combine gravity with the standard model. The Higgs field is a fundamental field of crucial importance to particle physics and theory. Unlike other known fields such as the electromagnetic field, the Higgs field takes a non-zero constant value almost everywhere. The question of the field's existence has been the last unverified part of the standard model of particle physics, and according to some, it's the central problem in particle physics. It's difficult to detect a Higgs boson. Due to their massive size, compared with other particles, it needs vast amounts of energy to create them. The Large Hadron Collider at CERN was built mainly for this. It accelerates two sets of partials to almost light speed traveling in opposite directions before setting them then on a path to collide with each other. Each collision produces a flurry of new particles which are detected by detectors around the point where they collide. There is a very small chance, around 1 in 10 billion, of a Higgs boson particle appearing and being detected, so the LHC needs to smash together trillions of particles and supercomputers need to sift through a massive amount of data to find the few collisions where evidence of the Higgs boson is. <laughs> That's just, that is just mind-blowing to me. Yeah. It really is. What's also mind-blowing to me is that we still have very little understanding of how things work yeah, around us. Yeah, we do. We it, it, it's, it's all nuts. a big mystery. Yeah, it's nuts. And I don't remember what article this is from either. I was really bad with it this week. From some other article. Sorry, article people. Although <laughs> all your hard work is not getting any credit right I know. <laughs> Although it may require some mental gymnastics to wrap one's brain around exactly what the CERN scientists are attempting to achieve in their underground lab, the average layman may instinctively understand that such an experiment might be wrought with unforeseeable pitfalls. You think? You think? 
Stephen like a Haw- black hole. Stephen Hawking, the eminent physicist, seems to agree. Hawking said, quote, the God particle found by CERN could destroy the universe. The Higgs boson could become very unstable at very high energy levels and have the potential to trigger a catastrophic vacuum decay, which would cause space and time to collapse, and we would not have any warnings whatsoever to the dangers. And when Stephen Hawking... I mean, he knows he's he knows not a, a thing he's not two. an idiot. He's right. not an idiot. When he even says, eh. at least if something like that happened, we wouldn't know. We yeah. wouldn't know it was coming. It yeah. would just be over. Yep. And but that gets to the point that maybe that's where simulation. That's where, not simulation theory, but something happened to our timeline. Like mm. something happened, mm. and that gets the parallel when universes. When did CERN start doing this? Uh I'm not exactly sure, but I think it was around the time that the Mandela effect started to kind of show up. Hmm. So there's a lot of the theories that CERN opened some kind of door to parallel universes. Mm -hmm. And that could be why, you know, because maybe like we talked about in the, in the episode about this that we did way back when that maybe something happened, but we have some sort of, um, residue. No, not residue, but like some sort of self-protective thing system that when we, Mm-hmm. are gonna poof out we move to a parallel universe sure where things are a little bit different it's like a backup drive it's like a ba- it's like a backup <laughs> drive exactly <laughs> one year after cern's grand opening sergio bertolucci former director for research and scientific computing of the facility grabbed headlines when he told a british newspaper the super collider could open otherworldly doors to other dimensions for quote a very tiny lapse of time mere fractions of a second Just enough for Bigfoot to pop in. Exactly. However, he said, that may just be enough time to, quote, peer into this open door, either by getting something out of it or sending something into it. Hmm. Of course, he added, after this tiny moment, the door would again shut, bringing us back to our normal four-dimensional world. It would be a major leap in our vision of nature, and of course, there would be no risk to the stability of our world, he says. Yeah, (laughs) right. Mm -hmm. Like, they're messing around with things that I just feel like you shouldn't mess around with. Yeah. You know, and yeah, maybe say that you can do this and you can open a wormhole that looks, you know, I don't want to get into major spoilers, but that was kind of what happened on Fringe. Mm. That's that's very much what, what happened on Fringe was this idea of looking into a parallel universe and mm-hmm. and what that can do. I understand wanting to understand how things work in the universe, yeah. but why do we have to recreate it? I don't know. Because scientists, that's what scientists do. That's what scientists do. do. But you have to weigh the consequences. Yeah. But like when Stephen Hawking says, eh. I'm sorry, even, I don't care if it's 500 feet under the ground. If you create a black hole down there. Yeah. But when one of of the bad things that could come out of it is catastrophic vacuum decay, which would cause space and time to collapse. That just doesn't sound good to me. That doesn't sound worth it to me. No. No. Like just let it keep running like it's doing. We don't need to know everything. So there's a lot of people that believe that's what happened, that something happened with CERN, Mm -hmm. that when CERN started messing around with this stuff, something happened with parallel universes where things are maybe starting to bleed over from parallel universe to parallel universe, and that is what the Mandela effect is about. And some people believe that CERN is is messing up the simulation if we are living in a simulation, mm-hmm. you know. So a lot of people tie this stuff in with CERN. To me, it doesn't really explain like paranormal phenomena though, though because that's been going on for yes. centuries. Yeah, and totally. Centuries. I one hundred percent agree with that. If if we are not a simulation, then paranormal phenomena is ghosts and demons and or Bigfoot. It, I mean, it could be parallel universes. It could be. That's could uh, we we mentioned. That's what EVPs could be. It could mm-hmm. be voices bleeding through from a parallel universe. I just don't think a simulation. Like, I one hundred percent believe in parallel universes. 
Uh, yeah, I do too. I do too. But then you get to the mind-boggling stuff about if every one of our choices splits off into a parallel universe, every yeah. every second of our life is a choice. Krista tries not to think about stuff. You know, like I mean, every second of our life. I could mm-hmm. get up and run out of this room right now and you'd be like, what? But that would be something that is a physical possibility. <laughs> I'd be a deer in the headlights. Yeah. I mean, that's something that could be, now? Lucy would be chasing me. <laughs> that would be something that's like mm-hmm. a, a physical possibility. So every possible thing you could do in any given moment is done and branches off into a parallel universe mm. which is weird to me you know so yeah. i don't know but i do like the idea of parallel universes mm-hmm. so now we get into some weird stuff about cern there's a lot of people that think cern isn't what it claims to be sure a lot of people a lot of people so one of the things is where it is i wish i could remember where i got these from i gotta start I got to start writing down my sources a little better. I'm so used to it with school. I have to cite all my resources. <laughs> I can send you my notes so, on that. So this article <laughs> I read said, now on top of all the speculation as to what certain scientists are really attempting to do with their large Hadron Collider, many observers could not help notice that the town in France where CERN is partially situated is named St. Genus Poli or Poly. The name Puli comes from the Latin Appalachium, and it's believed that in Roman times a temple existed there in honor of Apollo, and the people who live there believe that it is a gateway to the underworld. It is interesting to note that CERN is built on the same spot that is supposedly a gateway to the underworld. And there's the CERN logo, which is weird. It's a couple, it's the word CERN with a couple circles around it. And the circles have lines. I'll show you one. And the circles have lines coming off of them. And it's not that difficult to see a 666 in the logo. Mm. I, I, this one, I think be so obvious. This one I think is a stretch, but still I looked at it and it's like, really? You, you couldn't come up with something that didn't look so. (laughs) Sure. I mean, the sixes are kind of upside down and backwards, backwards, but but you can see three sixes there. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's obviously like, you can see that if somebody wanted (laughs) to work three sixes in there, it's a stretch, but a lot of people point to the three sixes in their CERN logo. Okay. Another one is, although most corporations shun any connection with religion in the spiritual world, CERN has chosen as its mascot a Hindu goddess. Not just any Hindu goddess, and just outside of its headquarters building sits an ancient statue to Shiva, ancient Apollyon, the goddess of destruction. Mm. And But I believe she's also the goddess of creation. But mm. it's very weird that they have this statue of the goddess of destruction, Shiva, outside CERN headquarters. That is weird. Like, what's what's yeah. the point of that? Yep. And one last thing, and this, I remember when this happened, I was like, really? I mean, this is just, it is the CERN ritual hoax. I think we've talked yes. about this, and right? and Wikipedia describes it saying, the CERN ritual hoax is a found footage video that depicts a supposed occult ritual occurring, occurring, <laughs> Occurring. Occurring. Occurring in the grounds at CERN, a European particle physics research organization. The video shows several people dressed in black cloaks surrounding a statue of the Hindu god Shiva and apparently stabbing a woman in a human sacrifice. The video ends with the person filming it crying out, cursing, and running away as he witnesses this from a nearby window. The video became popular in August 2016, buoyed by many existing conspiracy theories concerning CERN. 
CERN later stated in its frequently asked questions that the video was, quote, fiction, and that the actions violated its professional guidelines as would indeed a real ritual sacrifice. And, you know, law. (laughs) Yeah. A CERN spokesperson stated that the video was a prank and that no one was actually harmed. The mock ritual was performed without any official permission. CERN stated that it, quote, doesn't tolerate this kind of spoof and that it gives rise to misunderstandings about the scientific nature of our work. The video caused controversy both by creating mockery of existing theories and by fueling existing conspiracy theories about CERN activities. Given that the ritual was performed in front of a statue of the dancing Shiva, some believe was a satanic in nature. This further fueled theories that CERN's goal was to use their Large Hadron Collider to create a portal to hell, to summon the Antichrist, or to resurrect ancient gods. What does Shiva have to do with Satanism? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. But there's a lot of people... But the video is like... I mean, the video is weird to me. It's like, why would you do that? I mean, even as a joke, and to have somebody stationed at a window up there and then swear in the video. Yeah, that's Like, the fact that he swore in the video is weird to me because... I don't know. I just I just think it's weird. I'm not saying that I think it was a legit human sacrifice, mm-hmm. but I just think it's like, why would you do that when you already have people worried about what you're doing there? Right. Why would you pranksters do this and mm-hmm. get this out there to make things so much worse? So they worse? basically admitted that some of their people hoaxed, made this video yeah. as a hoax. I'm hoping they got fired. Yeah, it's weird. Why would you do that? Yeah. It, it is a weird You've seen thing the video, haven't you? I think so. I have like a picture in my head of all yeah. this. Yeah, so like I think people come so. out, like the Shiva statue is there and people come out in black cloaks and mm-hmm. a girl like kneels down or lays down and it looks like they stab her and stuff. And then the guy swears and the camera shakes and he like runs away. And there's people that to this day are convinced that that really happened, that, that they are doing satanic things at CERN, mm-hmm. but not really buying that. You know, I think what they're doing is scary enough without having right. to really drag Satan into it. Right. <laughs> you know? I would call it devil worshiping because Satanists don't really. No. That's, yeah. They're totally different. Yeah. Things. So, yeah, I mean, that's some stuff about CERN. There's a lot of people that think CERN is up to no good. Mm-hmm. And even if, I think people are making connections that don't exist. I think but... so, too. I think so, too. But you see that a lot when you look up stuff about CERN. Yeah. Um, in the November 25th, 2020 article on popdust.com by Keith Baldwin called This Haunts Me. Did scientists at CERN end the world in 2012? The article says, do you remember 2012? People were convinced that the world was going to end, that the Mayan calendar had predicted it more than 2,000 years earlier. And protesters and time travelers continued to decry the cataclysmic dangers of CERN's Large Hadron Collider, where scientists were taking apart the building blocks of the universe to understand how they worked. And then those scientists discovered the particle they were looking for without any apparent disruption to the fabric of reality. And the year passed without the world flipping on its axis or neutrinos suddenly becoming deadly while John Cusack raced to save his children. (laughs) Did you laugh then at the people who predicted doom? Did you mock them? And how have things been for you since then? Because for most of the world, they have become increasingly weird, chaotic, and incomprehensible, suffused with a growing sense of unreality. People and events have stopped making sense, almost as if the predictable order of the universe has begun to unravel. Back in 2012, the Higgs boson was still theoretical. It was thought to mediate the quantum field responsible for giving particles mass, thus regulating the force of gravity. And beneath the border of France and Switzerland, scientists at CERN were using their enormous and incredibly powerful particle accelerator to find it. They were hoping to improve our understanding of gravity, the weakest of the fundamental forces, yet potent enough to puncture the fabric of the universe, creating a black hole from which even light cannot escape. It's as familiar as it is mysterious. 
At the quantum level, the mechanics of gravity remain little understood, and events are theorized to take place not as a result of ordinary cause and effect, but as a function of probabilities. A popular explanation for this is that every possible outcome takes place at once, but splits off into endlessly branching multiverses. And that's parallel, parallel universe theory. So what if that cluster was held together by the force of gravity? What if the people decrying the incredible power of the Large Hadron Collider were right to be worried? The scientists at CERN might have been messing with forces beyond their control, beyond their understanding. So maybe they did trigger a doomsday scenario, just one that we couldn't see. Three weeks after they announced the discovery of the Higgs boson, the sun shot out the largest solar flare in more than a century. If it had struck the Earth, it would have caused trillions of dollars of damage to electronics worldwide. It missed us by the astronomical equivalent of inches. That was just the beginning. Could it be that they ruptured our universe's quantum gravitational bond to that core of probable realities? That we have been drifting further and further from its center ever since into increasingly improbable events? If so, then by now we are either living at a frayed end split off from the central strand of the multiverse waiting to be pruned, or we are doomed to spiral off into an endless fractal of increasing absurdity. Each year seems more ridiculous than the last, an eternal apocalypse of strangeness. The more I thought about it, the more I began to see the evidence in every improbable headline. I've started to perceive our hyperdimensional drift in the erratic behavior of my fellow human beings. It's not that they are becoming unhinged from reality, it's that reality has become unhinged and we are adapting to it. So that's that's a weird thought, that, that things really are like the weird news, that things are getting weirder because something that they did with the Hadron Collider ruptured our where we were in the parallel universes and we are now on a trajectory of increasingly bizarre parallel universes. Mm -hmm. So my thought on that though is that as human beings we need a scapegoat. We need there to be a reason. So when life gets chaotic the blame has to fall somewhere. We can't just accept that life can just be chaotic. We have to (laughs) blame something. And so this is this guy's way of Blaming yeah. something for the fact that life is just a little bit messed up. Yeah. Humans are a little messed up. Yeah. I mean, t- totally. 100%. You know, so I don't know. But, you know, and, and say we are living in a simulation. According to an August 10th, 2020 article on Scientific American called, quote, Could We Force the Universe to Crash? The article says, quote, The question is, how do you bring down a simulation of reality from inside of it? The most obvious strategy would be to try to cause the equivalent of a stack overflow, asking for more space in the active memory of a program than is available by creating an infinitely or at least excessively recursive process. And the way to do that would be to build our own simulated realities designed that so that those within those virtual worlds would become entities creating their own simulated realities all the way down the rabbit hole. If all of this worked, the universe as we know it would crash, revealing itself as a mirage, just as we winked out of existence. It's like turning two mirrors yeah, facing each other. Yeah, it seriously is. Because if we give, if we're in a simulation and we create a simulation and give them the ability that mm-hmm. the power is getting sucked up exponentially, mm-hmm. you know, but interventions like this risk undermining the reason for a species running such simulations in the first place, which would be to learn something deep about their own nature. Perhaps letting it all crash is simply the price to play to pay for the in- integrity of the results, or perhaps they're simply running the simulation containing us to find out whether they themselves are within a fake reality. So you get to really mind-blowing stuff, mm-hmm. you know? So if we are in a, 
a fake reality. Say we are simulated. Maybe the people that simulated us are also simulated. Right. And at and some so point, and so at forth. some point, there's not going to be enough power and everything's just going to mm. poof out, you know? Mm. And in a September 27th, 2020 article called, are we living in an artificial intelligence simulation at unite.ai website? And I thought this was really interesting. The article says, quote, the human simulated perception of time differs from the time experienced in a computer, especially when you factor in quantum computing. A quantum computer would enable time to be nonlinear. We could experience the perception of time without the actual passage of time. Even without the power of quantum computing, OpenAI successfully used large-scale deep reinforcement learning to enable a robotic hand to teach itself to manipulate a Rubik's Cube. It was able to solve the Rubik's Cube by practicing for the equivalent of 13,000 years inside a computer simulation. Oh my gosh. So they can make 13,000 years pass inside a computer simulation in a matter of whatever, weeks. You know, so. A, a simple way to think about that probably is like I'm playing Skyrim right now because it's the game <laughs> that goes on forever and ever because yeah. of all the side quests. You yes. never actually stay on task. But you can, it's sort of like, um, sleeping yeah you know you can yes. stay at the end yeah. and you heal during that yes. time so you speed up time and a lot yeah. of stuff is happening yeah. in that but it's sort of condensed yeah. into just a couple seconds yeah but it's also kind of like real life dreaming where mm. i can fall back asleep for like three or four minutes and have a dream that seems like it went on for longer than that for hours yeah 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 so they're, they're saying that in computer space inside computer space in quantum computing you can make something live 13,000 years in a matter of hours or something like that. So if we were, all about math. if we were living in a simulation, mm -hmm. our whole history together, yours and mine might only last, have only lasted realistically a second, mm -hmm. but you know, feels like 15 yeah. years. So we'll kind of end that with the with mind blowing stuff, <laughs> but we'll, I'll end this with this article from vice.com from March 11th, 2019 called quote, how the Mandela effect theory of false memories took over the internet. The article says, quote, scientists at British university Leeds in 1973 were doing an experiment and ran into some anomalies with it. They hypothesized that in order to explain away the anomalies, there had to be a particle 40 to 70 times the mass of a proton, a boson which would mediate weak interactions, and they named this theoretical particle the Mandela particle, which mm -hmm. is weird. Mm -hmm. In 1975, a team of scientists from Durham University tried to replicate the measurements but couldn't, and other scientists after that also couldn't replicate them, leading the original team to admit that the likelihood of the Mandela particle is, quote, not as large as we thought at first, and their methods may have been faulty. So I just thought that was kind of an interesting piece of trivia, that there was at one time something named a Mandela particle, but then they couldn't recreate it. That's so weird. So it was like it didn't exist. Ah. So I'm going to end is that. Is that a synchronicity? Kind of a synchronicity. Mm -hmm. Yep. Speaking uh, of real quick, did you start season two of yet. How You're Not yet. Okay. So I just want to end this whole thing with this quote from that same article. It says, one thing that differentiates the Mandela effect from conspiracy theory, however, is that it doesn't claim to have found an answer. Indeed, it only asks more questions. Reddit user 9DemonBag says, quote, <laughs> what, what makes this the biggest thing since sliced bread, for me at least, is all the possibilities. There's so much potential if you could just find the forces behind it. Mm -hmm. And that's what it it's all true. boils down to is that. It's a very succinct way of putting it. Yeah. Like, like I 100% 
believe in the Mandela effect. Yes. I don't think it's as widespread as other people do with everything that they're throwing as evidence. Right. But there's uh, the Fruit of the Loom logo. I It's not even a question in my mind. I know what that looked like when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I had that underwear. I used to look at that logo with the fruit and the cornucopia that never existed. So somewhere along the line, reality changed and that is no longer there. Mm-hmm. I think the the what you said about being more widespread than it actually is that's that whole thing about humans needing to blame something. Yeah. So they yeah. they hear about this Mandela effect yeah. and all that's and why once, I misremember that. When they can't find that. their keys, yeah. Right. They're, they're, you know. So So there you go. What do you think? Well, again, I <laughs> I buy the idea of simulation theory. Um I think it could explain a lot. I wouldn't be surprised. I just yeah. don't like it. Yeah. Because it, then I start asking questions like, well, if someone's controlling everything, can you stop with the tsunamis? Can you stop with the cancer? But, you know, like the whole thing with the, the pandemic and all this stuff, mm-hmm. that's that's an example of how reality is kind of getting out of control and we're getting more, uh, most, of it like called it, most of it called it absurdity. You know, instead of weirdness, most of it said that we're almost, and I agree with that one article that says if something happened with CERN and it disconnected us from a main a fiber we were in for our universe, mm-hmm. that now we're drifting we're away into more, now. we're yeah. getting into like universes that are more absurd than the last. That stuff is just weird now and, and not right, mm-hmm. you know? So there you go. CERN, Mandela effect and <laughs> simulated reality in a nutshell. Yeah. So. Do your heads hurt now? Yeah, <laughs> I'm guessing they probably do. Do you need to take a nap? <laughs> I just, I get it. I get living in a simulation and I get mm-hmm. why Le- like people like Leonardo da Vinci could do amazing things is because they somehow found a way to hack mm-hmm. different levels of the simulation we're in that they were able to see things like that we can't, you know, like if this is all computer code, maybe they could see things we can't. Right. I don't know. Hmm. But there you go. <laughs> <laughs> But if we are simulation, that doesn't make you and I any less real. We're just real in this simulation, you know. But also not real. (laughs) But also not real because we are the Sims. Mm -hmm. Real life, we are advanced versions of the Sims. Right. You know, like I said, it's like kids with an ant farm. Yeah. uh, That that got that gets to be like if you've Stephen King's book Under the Dome. Yeah. uh, Did you read it? TV show. Did you read it? Yes, and I I watched the show. But the book spoiler here: what kind of happens at the end? is that when the dome comes down and stuff like that, you find out it's basically like an alien version of kids watching an ant farm. They're mm-hmm. like, what would we? What would happen if we took this town right. and plopped this glass down on it and trapped all these people in this town? And that's mm-hmm. aliens like... It's like an experiment. It's like an experiment. Yeah. yeah. And I and that's, that's kind of what we are, are an experiment. I don't like it. Krista doesn't like it. Nope. What do you guys think? Nope Let us know. That. Krista noped all over that. <laughs> So let us know what you guys think. Sorry if it's just a rehash of our old episode, but new people. I think it was new information. Maybe there's some new information. Yeah. So let us know what you guys think. Or was it? Or was it? (laughs) Okay, since we're running a little bit long with this one, we're going to skip a tarot reading and we're going to skip a listener question, give you guys a couple more days to enter another one. What about a joke? Are we going to do a joke? Oh yeah, we'll do a joke. We got to do a joke. Um, So you guys ask us any questions you want. The link should be in the strangers. And we are going to do our song, our song thing. Yeah, Kurt and I are going to sing. No, yeah, we're going to sing <laughs> Islands Islands in the Stream. <laughs> um, our, you know, we're doing the thing now with like the 30-day music challenge where you have to pick a song. And our song for this time involved a title that has a color in it. Mm-hmm. 
Did you pick one? I did. Oh, I thought you did at the start of the episode. I didn't, but then I Googled like that and phrase it popped up. and there were several that I was there like, were a oh, bunch. I love that there were a lot that, that I wanted to do. I wanted, I'm it not going to say it. I'm not going to say it in case yours is one of them. So you go first. <laughs> Mine is the Rolling Stones, um, paint it black. Okay. I love that song. I'm not a fan of that song. Oh, really? No. So there was a show on, was it like late 80s, early 90s? I think it was called China Beach. Yeah, China Beach. I loved yep. that show. And yep. that was like the opening theme song to that show. So that was the first time I ever heard that song. But it's, I just love the lyrics. I love, I love everything about it. I think it's a great song. It's, there's a lot of commentary in there about just like life in general but i think that's a great song so my choice is paint it black by the rolling stones that's an okay song it was not like you know what song i really like by the rolling stones that like never really shows up in their super popular songs but a song i love is waiting on a friend Hmm. that doesn't even ring a bell to me it's it's like 80s era rolling stones but it's good Mm mm-hmm I'll play it for you after the episode, but I, I really like, I'm not a Rolling Stones guy. I'm okay. just not. They have some good stuff. Well, they always say, are you Beatles or Rolling oh, Stones? Totally Beatles. Totally Beatles. Totally Beatles. Yeah. I can't even believe that's a comparison. I know, right? Uh, Their music is so different. Yeah. But there were songs, like I did the same thing you did, where I Googled songs with colors in the title. Right. And there's you a just bunch. Don't think of it. No, there's a bunch that are on there that I would love to do, like Brown Eyed Girl. That was is a classic song. Yes, Uh, totally. Procol Harum's "Whiter Shade of Pale" is a good song. That song, yeah. So I thought about doing that one. Oh, now you're mad. Yeah, (laughs) this mad now. She didn't pick that one. um, Goodbye, Goodbye, Yellow Yellow Brick Road. I love that song. Yep, and there's a lot of them. But I'm going with the song that I love, and probably I've never heard of. You, you probably did. Okay, Um, maybe not though. It's from the '80s. It's yeah, an not 80s. a big 80s person. It's an 80s so. song, and it's one of those songs that was never like a huge 80s, and that's nothing like Walk Like an Egyptian or Girls Just Want to Have Fun, but it's an 80s song, and it's one of those songs that if you were like from that era, if it came on the radio, you would turn it up, and you'd be like, this is such a good song. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those songs that I still have on my flash drive in my car that I listen to, my, my music stuff, and it's just one of those songs that just makes me miss being in the 80s, and it's just a good song. And it is the song Midnight Blue by Lou Graham. Hmm. It is such a good song. I'm sure song. if I hear it, I'll yeah. know. You know, and then it's got this one part in the song where the drums kick in and the, the other stuff kicks in and it's okay. just so good. Midnight Blue. Midnight Blue by Lou Graham. I okay. love, love, love that 80s song that reminds me of back then good when times. life was good and before the Mandela when I had hope and still and it was just we weren't in a simulation we weren't in a simulation <laughs> and there was no Mandela effect and CERN didn't botch everything up right. and yeah good times awesome so those are our songs for this time sweet you cool. ready for a pickle joke I'm ready for a pickle joke um okay what these are so bad we'll do one listener question how okay. about that yeah you look it up while okay. I'm reading a pickle joke there's a a there's a, a picture to go with it, a drawing, a rendering. What do you do when a man with a shotgun demands all your pickles? You give, him, you give him both barrels. <laughs> okay. That one's That's actually that funny. Bad. At least that it, one's actually it, kind it, of oh, funny. Oh, you want to see the picture? That's the picture. That's cute. That one is actually kind of funny. It wasn't bad. I mean, they're all bad, but that one at least made sense. Some of them are just completely nonsensical. I am freezing. This is the point in the podcast when we've been down here for Chris, like two hours. Krista's always cold. So She's, cold. She gets this blanket or jacket and she just progressively like wraps it more <laughs> around her. Wow. Okay. This is our question for today. We'll do two of them because the other one might be short. Okay. First one, 
You have to relocate to a new country for 30 days. What country do you pick? Greece. England. I love how we were both just like, boom. <laughs> yep, England. Right. In a heartbeat. Next one. If you could start a charity of your own, what would it focus on? Uh, animals. Animals. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <those are laughs> totally <crazy>. animals. <laughs> totally animals. Yeah, totally animals. Uh, and children, maybe, but... I really like the St. Jude's thing, like helping families in ho- that have to go to hospitals, like with children in yeah. hospitals. I think that's a super good charity. Yeah. Uh, I agree. There's a lot of good ones. There really are. Yeah. Animals just come to mind because they're so helpless. Yeah. You know? Yep. And I love them. I do too. So that's just like our first go-to. That was our fastest ever. <laughs> yeah, wow. Boom. England and animals for me. Greece right. and animals for Krista. Greece and animals. <laughs> I think that's probably it. I think so. Anything else? Nope. No. Happy spring. Happy spring. It's um, actually a week from this weekend. Tonight's a daylight savings time. It is. I know we're going to lose an hour. So it's going to be dark when, well, not dark, but the sun's just going to be coming up when you get here. And I don't like that because I like driving down here when it's light. Mm -hmm. We could come a little later. You know, I'm already worried about hitting deer on the highway when I've got my coffee in one hand and my McGriddle in the other and I'm driving (laughs) at my knees. And you're texting. And and I'm texting and I'm steering with my knees. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't need to know that. Yeah. And with my chest hurting like it is, who even knows if I'm going to be here next time? Stop it. If I'm not, just do the episode, leave this microphone on, and I will try to show up okay. Show up and talk. Sweet. I like it. Uh, I mean, I don't like it, but... It would just be like my ghost... You can at least haunt me. It would just be my ghost stomach grumbling all the time that you would hear. <laughs> Did you hear that? <laughs> Did you hear that? <laughs> so, I think from oh, Krista yeah, and I, from the strange seller, <laughs> until next time, stay, stay strange. strange.